0: For um, those you who don't know me, as Gav said, my name is Mike. Um, I mostly go to the morning service, so I'm not too familiar a face in the evenings these days. But I'm on the, the preaching team, so I'm here to deliver a message to you tonight. I'm glad that you're here to join me for it. We're continuing our series in Peter about living as foreigners in this secular world. secular world. But before we go any further, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can all be here tonight. I thank you that even through the the struggles and chaos that the, the world is full of at the moment and all the stress that that brings, that we can set that aside and come to spend some time to worship you and to learn about you and to just bask in your love. I pray tonight that you can open our hearts to Hear whatever it is that you need us to take away from this message, and that if there's anything here that's not not from you, that you clear that away. And that yeah, whatever whatever we need, we find in this. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's. We're going to start with reading our passage. The section of Peter 1 that I was given isn't that long, but it's very dense on important lessons. So I've cut it back to focus on just a single verse, Uh, but I encourage you all to read 1 Peter 3 in its entirety to pick up on the entire context. But for now, we're just going to read verses 13 to 16. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now our focus tonight is... Verse 15 in the middle from that. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. It's quite a sentence. At a glance, a fairly straightforward instruction. Not too complicated. Maybe a little scary asking you to to talk to people about your faith, but not too complicated. But if you give it a bit more consideration, you notice the assumptions hidden within the instruction, And these seem to be a lot more complicated to apply. The first assumption we have is that people will, not might, will ask you about the hope that you live with. And inside of that, there's a secondary assumption, that we are in fact living our lives with our hope in Christ on display for the world to see. Now, this is something that I've been wrestling with for the past month because the first thing it did, it made me feel guilty. No one's ever actually come up to me and asked me, why why do I have this hope? Which led me to question, do I actually live with my hope on display? How can I know, though, what others are seeing in me? It's It's a little hard, but... Let's dig deeper into the text to try and find out. What is hope? When I typed define hope into Google, good old Google, it told me that hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Not too bad, but I think that the hope of our faith is more than that. For us, hope is not just an expectation of good things, but it's a rejection of fear and despair over bad things. Fear of death, fear of the unknown, fear of the future and despair at the state of our world and all the unfortunate things, unpleasant things that are going on in our lives. You see, the secular world lives with the specter of the unknown hanging over them. They don't know what is going to happen to them on a day-to-day basis, much less what is going to happen to them when they die. They don't have the comfort that comes with an all-powerful God loving them and guiding them like a shepherd. Now, we, we don't know specifically what each day will bring us either, and our lives aren't necessarily easy. We go through seasons of difficulty and struggle, just as they do. But we know that God is already victorious We know that he guides and watches over us in our daily lives. We know that the Holy Spirit is within us and we know that we have been redeemed with heaven and an eternity of paradise awaits. Even when the world is kicking us, God is holding us up. The secular world, they don't have this. They live in the moment and they have no guarantee for their future. When the world kicks them and they fall down, they have no guarantee that they'll ever get back up again. When they're staring at the face of death, they have no idea what awaits them. Small wonder then that the world tends to treat imagery of death as something to be feared. As children of God, we don't need to fear this world, nor do we need to fear death. We know that God has our futures in His hand. We don't need to despair at the state of the world, as we know, we know that a new heaven. And a new earth is coming. And so this hope that we have, that Peter is writing about, it actually separates us from them. So how do we display it? A better question, I think, is how can we not? If we have truly accepted this hope, this understanding that we are victorious through God, then by necessity it gives us a new perspective on life. Everything we experience we must view through the lens of a victorious hope. We should be like a nation of people who have just won a great war over the enemy, and we're now awaiting the spoils of our victory to be shared out. Did the world kick me? Who cares? I'm on my way to receive my share of the victory spoils. Are people mocking me? Who cares? I'm on my way to receive my share of the victory spoils. Imagine you've won some great competition. You're on your way to collect a cheque for millions of dollars. Is any little thing really going to spoil your mood? I doubt it. How much more so then, given that our life is a journey to something so much greater than that? We're just passing through this world as foreigners traveling on our way. Sorry, I lost my place. (laughs) Travelling on our way to collect a reward greater than any kind of lottery ticket or competition on earth could provide. Our sermon series is titled Living as Foreigners, and this is what that means. While everybody else out there is a prisoner to despair and fear of this world, we're just foreigners. We're passing through on our way to something so much better. And when we live with this truth in the core of our identity, it must shine out. By necessity, it must colour everything we do. It must become a part of who we are and be our perspective on life. We all know what it is like living in a world where everyone loves to complain. They complain about their work, they complain about school, they complain about what they have, they complain about what they don't have. They complain about their families. They complain about politics. I'm here to tell you tonight. If you are living your hope, you won't be joining in this complaining. You won't be wasting your time moaning about the potholes that are on the road in front of you. Because you're too excited. Because you can see the victory celebration at the end of the road down there. it's waiting for you. Who cares about the potholes? This is what living your hope really looks like. I really, really wish that more of the music that was written for churches would reflect this. Some of it does, but I wish there was more. There's nothing wrong with contemplative songs that help us to remember where we were and what God has done for us. But we need victory and celebration as well. We need something to hit us with the emotional charge of a Hollywood musical score. To remind us that we are victorious and we should feel pumped up about it should make us want to jump and shout and cheer like we're at a rock concert. Because we are at a rock concert. We're here to rock out to Jesus, the rock of our salvation. We are the audience to his amazing works. We are his fans, his roadies, here to celebrate and to facilitate his message. His set list, it involves salvation, victory, grace, freedom, love, compassion, peace. Let's rock out to it. And so, we do know what hope looks like. We know how to display it. And that leaves us with one last question to address. How do we answer when someone asks us why we live with such hope? Well, if you have truly taken this hope in Christ to heart, if you have made it your perspective on life, then the answer is pretty easy. Just tell the truth. You have hope because you can see past the miseries of the present to the promised celebrations in the future. You don't need to worry about the little frustrations and uncertainties of your life, because you have certainty of better things. Even death itself is just a speed bump on your way to victory. That's how you answer. You just tell them what God has promised you. Doesn't have to be those kind of words. Doesn't need to be flowery or fancy or complicated. Say it in your own way. Say it in whatever way suits the circumstances of the moment. But if you know why you have hope, and you should, just answer the question openly. You don't need to present a deep theological argument. I have hope just because God has promised me victory. I have hope. Because God has promised me that regardless of whatever rubbish happens to me in this life, at the end of it, I'm going to receive an eternity of joy. And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. That is reason enough for my hope. And hey, if that's something that interests you, why not come along with me to church on Sunday? There's plenty to go around. And so having unpacked all this, I now know why people don't ask me about the hope I have. It is in my nature to be a pessimist. I can be a miserable person to be around sometimes. Um, I tend to look at the pain and cruelty that I see in the world, Israel, Gaza Strip, Ukraine, Africa, Eastern Asia, South America, all the places where all the horrible things happen to people, and I get caught up in the despair of all that. And I've got to be honest, I can complain as well as anybody else. But today I'm making a conscious decision to focus on the hope that God has put in my heart. I'm choosing to keep my eyes on the celebration at the end of this road. I'm choosing to think about the victory spoils that await me. And I invite you all to join me in this hope. As the music team comes up to pump us up with a song of victory to take us out, let's pray again. Father God, we thank you that you have given us hope and certainty in this victory. We thank you that despite the fact that we were your enemies, you came to us, you extended that olive branch of peace through Jesus Christ, and you've offered to share with us the spoils of your victory. Without you, we would gain nothing. We we would die and, and as your enemies, we would be cast to the pit of fire, but through the alliance that you've offered us, you have offered to share us the victory in the battle that you have already won over sin. Pray that you can change our perspective and help us to see that victory every day of our lives every, every circumstance that we go through that we can just shrug it off because where our eyes are on that victory at the end of our road we pray that that hope will always be something that is on display and that we'll always be ready to answer honestly and wholly as to why it's there. We pray that you'll open our eyes to those opportunities and that you'll prompt people who need to be prompted to ask us about that. We pray this in Jesus' name.